All right, welcome back, guys. Uh, this is going to be our third episode, and I'm so glad that uh, you guys are listening. And this is really, really special and very different than the other ones, okay? Because uh, uh, Miss Myrick uh, is not a, a, an ELL, uh, but she has a lot of experience working as an ELL teacher. And I think you guys are going to get a lot of information and advices from her because she ha you know, she's the one who has the, the most experience working with, with ELL students. So anyway, good morning, Ms. Myrick. Thanks for, thanks for being here. And I truly appreciate it. Uh, this is really, really meaningful uh, for me. And I think it's going to be meaningful for our students. Uh, so how are you? Great. Great. Thanks for having me today. Great. Uh, so first of all, just, I, I would like you to share with us how long you've been in education. I have been working in education as a teacher or leading an EO program in some fashion for 14 years. Oh, 14 years. Really? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So, um, why did you choose to be an ELL teacher? Uh, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up in um, Dodge City, Kansas, which, you know, out in the western part of the state. And in the neighborhood that I lived in, we were one of two um, English-only speaking families. There was a really large Spanish-speaking population in the city. Really? And there was, yeah, there was, there was, at least on the side of town that we lived on. Huh. And so I was always sort of surrounded by that. Okay. And fascinated by um, learning at that time, particularly about the Mexican culture. That's what a lot of my friends, my peers, that was their background or where their families were from. Uh -huh. That planted that awareness in me of different cultures um, outside of my family's background culture. And then fast forward to um, college, I had the opportunity to do some study abroad. Mm. And when I left the U.S. and got to go um, to Spain. Oh, you were in Spain. I, I did get I to didn't go know to Spain. That. I, and, and for a little Western Kansas girl from a, a tiny really? town, um, that was a hugely eye-opening experience. What, what so, part of Spain did you go? You know, I studied in Salamanca. What? I did. Really? I did well, for summer, let, me, for summer. let me pass you right there. So, so oh, my okay. wife... It's going to go to Salamanca to finish. Well, I we hope. We don't know yet, you know, because all the craziness. So she's doing her second master's degree. Okay. And she's going to go to Salamanca for three weeks to finish it. In serio? Uh -huh. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. Oh. Small world. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll have to. It's been a long time since I've been there. But um, anyway. I'll, uh -huh. later about some places so <laughs> that that like really solidified in me i think this interest in um working with other cultures and mm -hmm. just seeing that there's a whole world out there and that my little world and what i thought was so key mm -hmm. in life especially you know when you're your late teens early 20s um mm -hmm. that opened my eyes to an interest in that And then as I reflected back on some of my peers' experiences when I was in elementary school and how they 
didn't have some of the same communication opportunities and the struggles that their parents were facing. Mm -hmm. um, that just really lit an interest in me. Um, and because I had studied Spanish as in undergrad as a minor, that opened some some doors in oh, teaching. Okay. And then I did ESL my first year. Actually, I was going to be a Spanish teacher, and they just needed a part-time ESL. Oh, okay. And in this little suburb where I started. And after doing that for that year, then I knew, like, that's it. That's my niche. That brings together all of my interests and um, allows me to be able to learn and serve. Mm -hmm. That was affects the, the community. So. Oh, Okay. But I was now 14 years later, here I am. You, you are still on ELL teacher. That's great. Yeah. So I, I was going to ask you, do you speak another language? But you already told us that you do speak another language, which is Spanish. No, please. You barely talk Spanish uh, with me, but that's that's okay. <laughs> I need I need to brush up on my witty jokes first. <laughs> you got those down. Do you, do you have the Castilian accent? Uh, do you know what? No, okay. no, uh, no criticism to the Castilian accent, right. uh, but I think because of where I grew up, probably like there's a little bit more of the um, Central South American Central, uh -huh. accent. My Spanish lens too, even though I did some study abroad in Spain, I just I couldn't quite get down with the graphia. Oh, okay, yeah, it's it's I'm not master it. Yeah, so yeah, my wife when she went to uh. She went to, uh, where did she go the first time? Uh, Malaga, I think. And yeah, she didn't keep up the Castilian accent. So she, she yeah, she's speaking more like Mexican. <laughs> That's what she says. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. So what is your role in KCIA? KCIA, I'm the English Language Development Director. So mm -hmm. any of our programs that have to do with language support for our our families or our students that kind of falls under my role. Okay. So, and, and, um, you know, I honestly think that our ELL program is an excellent one. Do you agree? I do. I think, um, maybe I'm biased, but we, um, we do have a, a really innovative and, um, I think advanced, if you will, ELL program. Mm -hmm. And I can say that based on conversations with other districts and mm -hmm. schools in the city, a lot of schools are trying to find ways to to have enough staff to support their ELs um, or are still working on how they can, can mesh together language support and then other types of curricular initiatives and have found themselves sort of working almost in a siloed the EL department sort of right. is, is you take care of the language and then classroom teachers teach everything else. And as, as we know, and I'm sure you have studied with your students, that is not an effective language development model. What mm -hmm. KCIA, we are in a unique situation that we have really been able to make sure that our curricular initiatives and our language development initiatives are, are melded together and uh -huh. very intertwined and that our, all of our staff are sort of rowing in the same direction, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fortunate that we have teachers such as yourself who are bought in. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to spend a lot of time creating the buy-in. Right. Um, we get to spend a lot of time 
creating the training, right. um, empowering teachers, educating all of our staff in best practices, and then making sure that we are using everyone as part of the language development team, even mm. if their role or job title is specifically EL or ELD teacher. Right. So, and well, I remember when I started working in KCIA, we didn't have a really strong ELL program. I remember that. So we've grown a lot the last three years, right? Yes, yes. When I started at KCIA, um, you know, the school was about 65% English learners. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, I think the total enrollment, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember the ELs were about 350, uh, 375 EL students in one building, which is, is a significant concentration in one building. Oh, yeah. And, and there were maybe three certified EL staff members at the time. Right. Um, and not proportionately spread throughout the grade level. So there was a lack of capacity for sure within the EL department. Yeah. And how many EL uh, certified teachers we have? Well, now, through so fast forward, uh, three years later, we've been fortunate to have um, three cohorts of teachers go through a EL certification program. Uh -huh. Um, in addition to adding EL certified staff members working as, you know, in the EL support role outside of just mainstream classrooms. So now we are up to 28. Wow. I believe of our teachers are EL certified with um, eight more um, in process of, yeah. of their yeah. about halfway through this last cohort of certification. Yeah. And and I got to tell you, like, it sounds, it, it, you know, when you say three years and everything that we've grown as a as a school, uh, just by saying it, it, you know, we can say it in three seconds, but that that's a lot of work, right? You know, three years working it. And guys, uh, students in UCM, the, the growth that I've seen, like personally, it's just so real that, it, you know, it just impresses me and the way that all, you know, our administrators are handling everything so and especially the ELL program that's that you know that's something that I'm really proud of and you know Ms. Myrick is 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 the heart of it so um okay so could you share the strengths of the ELL program in KCIA please yeah absolutely um you know I think like any team your 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 team is only as good as your your the cohesiveness of your team mm -hmm. your members And then your leadership. You know, action comes from leadership. So I would I would say starting there, a huge strength that we have is what I mentioned earlier. Um, our our administrators who are really supporting our our true champions, which is our teachers, mm -hmm. um, they work together. Like I said, understanding that the curriculum and instruction department needs to understand foundational tenets of language development and how that affects learning within any other core content and then vice versa our EL department needs to be a part of and participate in the core content mm -hmm. development and implementation so from leadership down our coaches our curriculum director and our principals have been a part of training they went through training themselves mm -hmm. but saying hey I don't know a lot about language development but I understand I need to know what it is that you know our foundational principles and how students are qualified and what different students need at least mm -hmm. a, a functional understanding right 
our number one strength. I've, I've done a little bit of consulting with some other charters and schools in the metro area who are trying to improve the efficacy of their program, and that right. is the first thing that we talk about. Um, I would say our second strength of ours is our, our teachers to their understanding and their willingness to say, okay, I own the language development of my student. I'm not just sending my ELs to the EL teacher to to be fixed, if you will. Right. Um, we at KCIA have a mission to make sure that all of our students and their families understand that we don't view being an English learner as a problem to be fixed, that being multilingual is something to be celebrated and supported. And our job is to support students in their gift and talent of developing English alongside their first language. Mm-hmm. So teachers are really um, skilled, I think, in, in displaying that mindset rather than coming in with um, some sort of savior complex or um, a, a view that might seem like our students need to give up their first language or mm-hmm. culture in order to assimilate and acclimate to English language or American culture. Um, and our third strength, I would say, you know, apart from, like I said, our teachers having that like, strong understanding is the focus on our, within our, our EL teachers, that team that that's their designated role is being cohesive and having the support, I guess this goes back to administration, but of creating a schedule that works around mm-hmm the language development program. So rather than trying in a building like ours to fit our supports around a schedule, our master schedule is built around the support needs of our students, which allows our EL team to be efficient, Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. maximize their efforts and to get enough face time with kids that they can impact, Mm -hmm. whether that's through collaboration with classroom teachers or direct EL teacher, student, maybe small group contact. We are able to just really use our staff member in an effective, um, efficient way rather than having to do what a lot of schools just are forced to do is one EL teacher serving maybe K through five, sprinkling your time, trying to do a a little bit of drop-in, focus language development and not being able to truly collaborate with any classroom or Mm -hmm. truly get to know the grade level or curriculum expectations we're able to go deeper. And that's partly because we have a pretty um, robust EL team. We have more staff members probably than most districts would in, in the metro area. Yeah. The ratio. That's, uh, that's, that's great. And, you know, I, I just want to point out something that you shared. Uh, whenever we, we see our ELL students not as a problem, but to use their you know, first language skills, uh, when we see those skills as something good uh, to build up from, you know, like whereas sometimes, you know, we see uh, our ELL students, um, I mean, I'm saying we, but, you know, some some teachers see an ELL student as a deficit in their classroom, right? Because, oh, they don't speak English, we're going to be tested and... But no, you know, I think I think that should be our our mentality when we start working with ELLs, right? Like, okay, they're gonna. The cool thing is they're gonna be speaking at least two languages, and the research shows that bilingual students do always better 
And I, I noticed in, in this research that around high school is when, when, when their brain starts kind of like, you know, fixing up stuff and making up stuff and, and they just got better at a lot of stuff, you know, and, and, and I'm, that's, that's so good because we are seeing that nowadays, whereas maybe 30 years ago, we, we didn't have that. We didn't have the research. We didn't understand. We thought that um, an ELN student uh, uh, belonged to, to the special education program, right? Yes. But yeah. now, you yeah. know, now we understand that it's not what it is. So anyway, yeah, I, I, I think we have a really strong program in, in ELL, uh, in, I mean, in KZA. All right. Here are some questions, Ms. Myrick. First one is, what are the challenges that an ELL teacher faces when working with the students from different cultures? The challenges. Some of the challenges, um, I'm, you know, I mentioned earlier that might come into play, um, you know, would have to do almost with scheduling and proficiency levels isn't necessarily tied to the student's culture, but the way that can affect um, your portion of the question is, you know, then you may have to put students together who it might not be an optimal grouping. So maybe not the proficiency level grouping that would be most effective. And so then sometimes you aren't able to get to know students as deeply, their mm. cultural background, their cultural needs, because you are trying to spread yourself thin. And that, that's pretty common in a lot of, a lot of districts. Um, and as we know, and I'm sure, you know, given the nature of your class that you're, you're teaching now, getting to know a student's background and, you know, their cultural norms mm -hmm. and expectations, um, custom habits, that is huge in lowering those, you know, the ad effective filter so that students feel free to learn. They can right. receive and produce language more freely. Mm -hmm. um, if you're in a position where you can't get to know that deeply, then, then that does create a challenge for developing students' language. Right. Yeah, that's huge, no, knowing the, the background of the students. Mm -hmm. All right, so now, the, it's kind of like the same question, but a little bit different. So what can a classroom teacher do uh, when working with an ELL student when there is no ELL program? So what what could you you know because most of my students I'm I'm guessing you know maybe they are going to end up uh, working you know uh, you know maybe uh, Williamsburg I don't know Sedalia Marshall you know maybe and I hope they can go and work in uh, you know in Kansas City uh, whereas there where there is more um, um, there's more diversity so. Um, Anyway, so, so, but let, you know, let's just think that uh, a student goes, finds a job as a teacher, classroom teacher, you know, maybe a third grade, fourth grade, you know, whatever. But uh, they, they got a, they get a, a, an ELL student, you know, so w what would, what would you advise to those uh, teachers? a great question because in the Midwest in particular where we have a lot of smaller rural districts that's going to happen that there are going to be um, new teachers that are in those very situations I think that you know, number one you need to reach out to um, whomever within your district starting with your principal mm -hmm. 
if, if they tell you the student's in EL or you perhaps suspect that they may have a second language background and you want to know if they should be identified as EL, reach out to your principal right away and say, this, this student needs assessed for language proficiency or where is the assessment mm-hmm. of language proficiency okay. so that you can review where the student falls as far as their levels of, of language proficiency right. within those four domains. So speaking, listening, mm-hmm. reading, and writing. As a classroom teacher, you will take assessments constantly to find out you know, a measurement of student skill in different areas, and this is no different. Mm-hmm. It is going to be very hard for teachers to choose appropriate scaffolds and supports and instructional strategies if you don't know where the student's starting. So that's going to be the first thing is that you need to reach out to the appropriate person. Like I said, if you don't know, start with your principal to get that information. Mm-hmm. Um, to familiarize yourself then, if someone just hands you a language test and says, the student's a level two, your next step is going to have to be, all right, show me um, the, you know, your rubric or in Missouri, they're, they're going to use the WIDA mm-hmm. screener. And so you can go to the WIDA website, right. which um, any, any educator can view. It's actually WIDA.wisc.edu. Mm-hmm. So W-I-D-A dot W-I-S-C dot mm-hmm. E-D-U. You can find a wealth of information about the language assessment and proficiency models that Missouri and then 30, I think, five, 36 other states in the U.S. use. So familiarize yourself there if there's no in your district to help you do that. That's going to be step one. Um, And then from there, you're going to start thinking about, right, what strategies do I need to use to make sure the content I'm giving, my input, mm-hmm. is comprehensible before I make a decision about whether or not the student has mastery of the information. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could take a whole course on strategies for doing that. Yeah. Um, again, I direct you the WIDA website is kind of a great one-stop shop for uh-huh. strategies about comprehensible input, right. um, some great um, ready-to-go strategies as a classroom teacher. But even if they just were to begin searching um, comprehensible input strategies. That would be like step two as your teacher. So mm-hmm. getting to kids' language proficiency levels and what that means, right. what's the definition, what does it look like, and then familiarizing yourself mm-hmm. um, with some comprehensible input strategies that you can use when you're teaching your core curriculum. Yeah, well, you know, uh, we actually have a clause about WIDA and you know, with my U, U, UCM, yeah, like we we go through the uh, website, you know, take a Excellent. look. Yeah, they have, you know, it's kind of like an introduction. And actually, we also do kind of an introduction of the SIAP model. You know, Wonderful. yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a deep uh, study of it, but at least they can have some some tools, you know. So, uh, and I think that, that, that would be helpful, you know, uh, and I hope, you know, my students take that, uh, as a, you know, as a tool for, for the future, whenever they are working with ELN students. All right. So, um, could you share great stories of your experience when you were a classroom ELL teacher? Yes. <laughs> So many stories. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> great. Sure. Oh goodness! 
Um, I think of any particular, just a story that is. Yeah, whatever you, I mean, your favorite one, maybe you don't have a favorite one because all of them are your favorites. You know, just choose one. Tell us, you know, I just, uh, uh, you know, we, we've been having uh, these interviews with Mr. Sanchez and, and Ms. Ms. Ayan, and, you know, they share with us uh, what teachers did for them uh, that, you know, maybe those teachers are, you know, somewhere. We don't know, but, you know, right now we have a teacher who is an ELL teacher. And, um, and you know, we want to hear from the teacher's perspective. You know, we already heard from uh, ELL students. Now we want to hear from, from a teacher's perspective those great stories. Yes. Okay, great. Uh, as you were talking just now, even, I was thinking of some. Um, I... Within my first year or two of teaching, I started at, I, I was teaching Spanish at the elementary level and then mm -hmm. half day at the high school. Mm -hmm. And my half day at the high school, I was doing, at the time it was called ESL, English as a Second Language, and the acronym has changed a little bit, ELL, English Language Learners, ELD, English Language Development. So as an ESL teacher, um, the, the model at the time was largely like a pull-out model, which is, you know, it's pretty hard to do in secondary. Right. Is leaving a classroom, missing core instruction. Um, or if I were to sit in the room with the students, for high school students, that can also be a little uncomfortable having a, a teacher sitting over their shoulder. So we were navigating through that. And I had um, a, a set of siblings, a brother and sister that had moved mm -hmm. from Mexico with their mom. She had married... Um, a man from Missouri, mm. and they were not happy to be in the U.S. It wasn't their choice. They had been happy with their life. The kids, not mom, but the kids were were not excited to be in the U.S., and um, they they had a hard time. It was very different adjusting to life in the suburbs. So they, they were high schoolers? They were high schoolers, Yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's... You know, the culture was different yeah. and they were experiencing a lot of like a loss, a mourning almost of losing, you know, back home. They mm -hmm. had tons of friends and were yeah. popular and had a lot to say and a lot of um, things to contribute to their school community. And then suddenly mm -hmm. they were kind of the have nots. They, they were having a hard time communicating. Mm -hmm. And so they began to have um, some behavior issues, some attendance issues as, as can happen. Yeah, Miss Miss Mary, let me stop you right there. So, yeah. because you know, uh, that's and and I think I've been sharing with my students about that, specifically about behavior problems from ELL students, and it's not because uh, it's not because they you know they're bad students. It's just sometimes we don't really, for example, we we are not careful of um, giving clear directions. Right, we are thinking that they understand as the you know a native uh, English speaker student, and they they don't. Sometimes they just want to. Uh, I mean, you know, like in that case, misbehave. Some of them shut down. You know, some you, you know, and and we think that they are, they are so rude to us. You know, and but you know, it's not. It's just because there are a lot of different stuff going on in their minds, exactly. right? Exactly. So, yeah. They're coming in with a lot going on, mm -hmm. as, as students from any culture can, um, but they may or may not be able to express that. Mm -hmm. 
linguistic or, you know, culturally may not feel comfortable to do Mm -hmm. that. Um, So this, this brother, sister set was mean a lot of what you described. Brother was just shutting down. Um, He didn't have a lot of like outward behaviors, but teachers were constantly Mm -hmm. complaining to me. Oh, he just doesn't do any work. He just puts his head down in class. Right. Um, Sister, she, it was, it was coming out in um, being argumentative, fighting with other students. Really? And so fast forward a little bit, as we worked through this, as I was able to get to know them and really know their story and hear a little bit about some of their feelings, Mm -hmm. developed, you know, some dialogue about, you know, what they were going through emotionally, making this change, coming to a country they didn't ask to make this move, even though eventually it ended up finding out it was first issues there had been some gang activity mom was fearful of um, the kids for one of the kids lives and there was some some economic issues involved brother was older and he only had a year with us Mm. and um before he turned 17 which is you know in missouri you can a student can legally um stop attending school when they're 17 Mm. and he i remember a teacher telling me um, you know, he just doesn't do anything. I give him all the time. I give him extra time. And he right. just puts his head down. He just tunes out of my class. I'll give him as much time as he wants. And he can redo assignments as many times as he wants. And he just won't work. Um, well, he ended up um, dropping out. He stopped coming to school. He did not finish his high school. Diploma. He did not earn his high school diploma. Mm-hmm. And that really stood out with a young teacher that year trying to navigate understanding. I mean, it was true he wasn't doing work, but the flip side of that was he he was being given extra time and told he could do work that he still wasn't understanding what he was being asked to do. You know, extra time you can give me 10 years to complete an assignment in Arabic, but if you don't give me any support, I I don't, I can't speak or read or write Arabic. Mm -hmm. I'm going to need some additional support. Um, And that became such a burden to this young man that once he was old enough to have the option to say, you know what, I'm not doing this. He just quit. Um, and that stayed with me. That was really, really hard. And I struggled with where did I fail him? Where did our system fail him? Um, his sister is an interesting case study because she was just a freshman when mm-hmm. she came, she was young and she had more time to build relationships she ended up staying in high school and by her senior year mm-hmm. through um, some teachers who partnered, not just myself, but were able to provide to her more comprehensible input to work with her to meet her social and emotional needs. Mm-hmm. She ended up on her senior year being on the, the quiz bowl team, the academic quiz bowl, mm. <laughs> um, being like their star student in science oh, okay. and graduating with honors. Wow. She, I'm still in touch with her. She has oh, actually nice. created her own app for what? Uh, learning about careers. Oh my gosh. Careers. And she, I'll just never forget. I mean, when she came her freshman year, her first few days, she had it written all over her face. I don't want to be here. Um, you know, <sighs> and let it be known in a variety of ways, but she just needed someone to, to hear her, to recognize her struggles. Um, and that she let her show mm-hmm. who she really was mm-hmm. and to be content until she was able to do that. And then, of course, the instructional piece. I mean, there's no, 
no ignoring that either. She needed support. She couldn't just be told, well, you can have extra time. You can redo your assignments. Mm -hmm. She needs um, teachers who would be willing to support her. But those are two that, that, you know, and it's interesting, your siblings, I'm still in touch with them, just have stood out in my mind and always been a, a reminder to me of why we do this. And it's worth the digging in and the wow. extra that's so amazing, Miss Mary. I didn't know that. That is, that is so cool. That is so cool. And, and you know, again, thanks for really taking the time. And and you know, so um, I think being a teacher, and especially an ELL teacher, uh, you know, it's not really about just doing our job. It's doing more than right more than our job you know because we, we don't get paid to be like uh emotionally support you know i mean we, we, we right we we don't yeah, we don't get paid for that right if yeah I there's a one, lot of social work counselor all of that's wrapped up into it <laughs> yeah and and then you know, many classroom teachers do as well i i don't right no 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 yeah i, I, I understand all teachers but but you know but Aniela student has uh, other other issues. You know, all the students have issues. I I think, mm -hmm. but you know, ELL students, uh, students have other issues that uh, sometimes we're not aware of. But anyway, oh, that's that's so great, Miss Mary. That's so great. Thank you. All right, um, now share another great story of your experience as a leader of the KCIA ELL program. Wait, well, you already shared. You know how strong we are. You, yeah. So you, 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 you know. I think that would be. But anyway, if you have something uh, sure. that you want to share, you know, I mean, I, I am so thankful to be at KCA to you, Mr. Navarro. I know that you, you go above and beyond. Um, I could tell stories I've been hearing through the grapevine of just just this past couple of weeks. You helping uh, one of our parents who's calling you because he has a language partner in you and you've been right. helping some very basic needs. Um, and, and he's not even your student, but the dad knows you in the building. And, and um, right. so I think stories like that, where I hear of teachers who are invested in, in our kids and understanding their background, knowing that, um, you know, parents may be experiencing some things that are unique as far as mm -hmm. immigrate to a new country. Mm -hmm. And are, are navigating some challenges there. I I have heard multiple instances of families who um, we do serve a large number of, of immigrant refugee families at our school. Not ELs are immigrants. Some of them are born in the U.S. and mm -hmm. are mastering English because their home language is right. you know, something else. But we do serve quite a few immigrant families, and um, at KCIA, I know that sometimes our families. They're new to the U.S., they don't have a lot of resources, and end up struggling with things as basic as, I'm in a rental and my heat stopped working, and I don't have the language to communicate mm -hmm. with my landlord, nor do I know my legal rights, um, or the process of what to do to get my heat turned back on. Right. So we're just going to live with coats on all the time. And then we've had staff members hear about that, and go to the home themselves to try to fix the heater, to try to see what's wrong, mm -hmm. reaching out to the landlord, in some cases, um, putting a family of nine up in a hotel because you could see your breath inside the house mm -hmm. and the baby. But the family just 
didn't know what else to do and they didn't have a community like most of us do where if we did need help, we could call a friend, call a neighbor. Um, they were here on their own. So staff members in this particular instance, I'm thinking of put the family up in a hotel for the weekend mm-hmm. so they could make sure they had food, contacted the landlord, um, did what was necessary to kind of get that landlord in gear and get right. the heat. And I've seen stories like that at KCIA time and time again because people have an awareness that we don't live in a bubble where everyone could say, well, why don't they just call their landlord? Or, well, they can go stay with a, their right. family member. Yeah. Well, why don't they just reach out to this resource? Well, sometimes that isn't as easy to do as we might think it is. And I think KCIA staff is really special because they get that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we have a... And also, we have a, a lot of translators in, in, in our building, right? How many translators do we have? Uh, right now, we, we have 11. 11. Some part-time um, based on our language needs, and they are fabulous in going above and beyond. Um, they were a part of the story I just told, connecting with family. They often mm-hmm. um, help during the school day, making sure kids understand lessons and contacting parents, but they do a lot of behind-the-scenes work as well, mm-hmm. making sure have what they need okay that's yeah i i love our translators there that's so mm-hmm. so great all right so um how would you share you know if you were about to hire one of uh one of my students in ucm and uh, uh what would you say to to them to buy in to you know to buy into the ELL program Does it make sense? To like, what would you say, you know? Stand or to ask? To, like, you're about to hire them. You know, they are, they, they are, um, yeah, they're doing an interview. And you are going to tell them, you know, every, everything that is happening in, in, in our school. Uh, what would you say to them for them to buy in? Well, I would want to know, um, you know, the interview process, certainly a number of different ways mm-hmm. that they would provide scaffolds or examples of ways they might differentiate. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, I wouldn't expect everyone to be an expert in that right away, but to right. at least have an understanding um, of at least some basic methods. Right. I would also want to talk to them about, um, you know, the strengths that a lot of our students come with, mm-hmm. like you were earlier, to make sure that we aren't just viewing our students from a deficit mindset, but a strengths mindset. So I would talk to them about the awesome things that they can learn from mm-hmm. our students, families, that our students may have some problem-solving skills, that others might not have because they've had to find ways to work around a language barrier, a cultural barrier, an economic barrier. Mm -hmm. I would um, help students get, create buy-in into this work by talking about um, ways that their students might be more independent or more Mm -hmm. resilient than they would expect for some of those same reasons I just mentioned. And I would encourage them to learn and research and, and share obviously some of the information that we already have on hand about the different cultures of their students to get excited about that. Right. 
to be invested in the backgrounds and cultures of their students. All right. Awesome. So, Ms. Myrick, um, this is it, it's been a really great experience talking to you. I it really, you know, we we you know, we work together, but we we don't really talk about all the great stuff that is happening and, you know, on your side. And I know a lot of things are happening on your side, but, you know, uh, we don't have the time to really talk about that. And and I didn't know that great story that you just shared with us. Oh, my gosh, that's, that's oh, going to be so great. It, you know, it, it was hard to choose. I If I, I can tell you a, a quick 10-second one, another great story right. is uh, a student I had also knew um, in high school from Mexico, similar, just frustration of, oh, I had to leave my home. It was scary. Um, but really bright student, really, really bright. Mm -hmm. And frustrated because she wasn't able to show that. Right. She did end up, because she had parents with a strong desire to keep her in school, she did end up finishing school mm -hmm. um, from speaking absolutely no English and being really shy and reserved because she just felt isolated mm -hmm. um, to graduating. And um, fast forward to now, she is one of our translators at KCIA. And oh, she, it's... Um Maria? Yes, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, she works at KCIA now. <laughs> and it's beautiful to see uh, her working with other families and mentoring them through this process of onboarding their own kids and working with our middle schoolers who are experiencing some of the same emotions she was once upon a time and, you know, using her strong English now that she has mastered mm, right. at a proficient level uh -huh. um, and being able to help kids navigate through some of that social and academic um, difficulty. Uh -huh. That's a really cool thing to see that um, she went from coming and learning English at a, a fairly late age in life and uh -huh. still being able to um, create a really beautiful, meaningful life for herself here, sharing her home culture uh -huh. and a lot about um, a new language and a new Wow, that's another great, great story. And yeah, I have the, you know, the experience to talk to her and, you know, she's, she's really, really nice and very helpful with the students. The students actually connect really well with her, right? So that's, yes, that's always yes. great. All right. So anyway, Ms. Marik, um, I, thank you so much for taking the time. I, I truly appreciate it. And I, I hope my students uh, appreciate this. And all your experience, I mean, you really have a lot of experience working with ELL students, you know, so uh, it amazes me, uh, you know, your, your passion, your heart for the ELL uh, students. And, and yeah, thanks, thanks for, for being with us. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I do truly consider it um, an, an honor to get to chat with you and um, to work in this role. I said when I first came to KCIA and shared with the staff, and I still believe it, that communication is is a right, mm -hmm. not a privilege, and being able to share your voice and who you are and, and participate in your community mm -hmm. is something that everyone should be able to do, and if they're unable to do that, there are barriers preventing that, mm -hmm. and others around them have the, the privilege and the opportunity to help take away those barriers and that's something that we should do mm -hmm. that I believe is is part of being you know the community member um, 
you know, good citizen and and providing something to that the, everyone in the world deserves. So it, it's an important work that all teachers, all educators should participate in and have some money. Right. We do what we do. Yeah. That's great. Well, Ms. Marek, thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. And well, we're in touch and, you know, I hope we can see each other physically on yes, August. Yes. Maybe. Hopefully soon. Hopefully <laughs> right? soon. So we right. know that. Well, thank you. All right. Well, Ms. Mary, thank you so much and I'll see you later. Okay. Take All care. Right. Okay. Thank bye. you. Bye. All right. Bye. All right, guys, uh, that's it with uh, Ms. Myrick's uh, interview. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. And I I, I got to tell you, I did enjoy it a lot. And I hope you can get all her advices. Uh, and it's a person uh, who has been working with the students for a while, 14 years working now. She's in charge of the uh, language development uh, program in KCIA. And I hope you guys uh, have a nice week. Take care.